Thank you for tuning into Sochcast. We hope you enjoy this uninterrupted listening experience. But before that, please do listen to these messages that come from those that support your favorite show. Raj Nayak's talk show Fridays Live features high-profile guests from various walks of life who engage in a free-flowing and inspiring chat with him. Good evening and welcome to Fridays Live with me Raj Nayak. Today I have with me a very young, dynamic, bold, she's a fashion designer, she's a style icon and now also to be an actor. Welcome mm-hmm. to the one and only Masaba Gupta. Masaba. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me on your amazing show. <laughs> what do I call you? Do I call you Masaba or Masu? <laughs> you can call me Masu cuz I'll have to call you Raj uncle so then that's settled. <laughs> <laughs> Okay so tell me uh, you know this has always been curious in my and I've always wanted to ask but never got down to doing it what does masaba stand for uh masaba stands for everything individualistic uh everything unapologetic uh and everything peaceful i think i'm 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 all those things i'm i'm individualistic and i'm fierce and and everything that people have made me out to be but I think what I really really inherently stand for is just peace because um I I I love peace I think when you are at peace with yourself with what you do I think you can really be all those other things uh to the fullest so I think I stand for peace <laughs> That's nice I mean in today's day and age most important thing Yeah absolutely is absolutely. to peace yeah But what what does masaba mean Masaba means princess in Swahili Wow. It's a Swahili name and it means princess in in other languages and other cultures I believe it also means uh it's also a, a particular type of fish. Uh but yeah she she apparently was uh, a princess in African mythology. So yeah. That's the one I like to go with. <laughs> yeah obviously I mean you are a princess there's not <laughs> now maybe queen. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so you know I've known you for many years but you know one of the things about uh, knowing people and especially in today's day and age you know people so well and yet you don't know them you know yeah. and that's true even with people whom you work with everybody you know them you socialize you do but you really don't know them because you uh, there are certain things you don't get down to asking speaking and things like that you know because you go just go with the flow uh, so I want to get to know you better today great can wait <laughs> So tell me uh, so let's start with your childhood. Mm-hmm. So what are the what was your childhood like and what were the challenges that you faced growing up as a young kid? You know uh, contrary to what people believe I think uh, I had a perfectly normal childhood and I think uh, I say that because uh, I think the line between normal and not normal is is a bit blurred. you know uh and i think when you're a child you don't really see that difference uh, as such because what's normal to you may be abnormal to somebody else and vice versa so i had a very happy childhood to begin with uh extremely sheltered i have to say a very protected child because i was the only child and uh, as you know mom raised me single handedly so it was very sheltered i was very protected uh you know i think i grew up around uh, people that were safe you know i wasn't really exposed to things um as i think a child should be 
so i think uh, that was my upbringing but later on when i was growing up in my teen years and things like that i think i finally opened up a bit uh, i was a very angry child i was a very angry teenager and uh, i think a lot of that came from not really understanding why i was given so much attention uh and sometimes that attention was negative sometimes it was positive but i think just just all the scrutiny around my life and things like that i think that made me very angry because i thought everything was fine and i thought i thought everything was normal so that was that uh i i played a lot of sport as a child growing up i think that was my um alter ego it was my other life which i think i i used that as a way of venting all the things i felt because i was a very shy kid i didn't speak much i i took it all out on sport i played tennis professionally i played football handball you name it and uh, i was an outdoors kid i was very happy very happy with my very few friends uh and family and i think all of you became my family so uh growing up that was very special but um I I just wish that I had been thrown out and and been able to you know just just roll in the dirt a bit not not literally but you know what I mean just just uh from a perspective that you know when you throw a child out and let them learn how to walk and get up on their two feet I think that was something I missed uh because you you become used to the sheltered life as you grow up and then you expect that to continue into your adult life and that doesn't happen so yeah a very angry but happy child to put it so when you were angry i mean uh, where was it manifesting from i mean would you go and speak to your mother about it when you were angry or you just uh i like i said i wouldn't speak to her i wouldn't speak to anyone really i was very quiet i i you know i think i internalized things a lot uh and i would just take it out on the tennis court so i was a very i was a really aggressive tennis player um uh, and i think one of the things that uh, happened was i couldn't pursue it professionally because i remember i had a lot of strength and that strength came from having uh, all of this anger inside of me but i never knew how to channelize it to my benefit so i think uh, it came out there it came out in uh, you know in in school at at class it came out with uh, friends sometimes interpersonal relationships were always a bit flawed but um all in all i think i turned out okay <laughs> so uh, but did you always wanted to be a designer i mean uh, before this did you think of pursuing something else before becoming a designer design pursued me actually i think i wanted to be i just wanted to be somebody who was in front of the camera i just wanted to be you are right now you are in front of the camera exactly so i remember i started off wanting to be a dancer so i danced for many years uh, with shamak dagar and i really enjoyed that i would dance for hours in a day and i had to literally be dragged home uh post that i decided that i wanted to become a singer so i went to london and i studied music i studied various types of music r&b mostly and i studied the keys and then of course thanks to the sheltered upbringing i said i miss my home and i miss my ghar ka khana and i miss my didis <laughs> so i want to come back home and i want to be in a safe space uh and in that in those two or three months i think i wanted to act 
but uh, you know mom she said nothing doing uh, you're not a conventional indian face it's going to be really hard for you so pick something that that will last you your whole life pick something where you have to use your mind pick something where you know it's not not a profession so largely dependent on physicality which i thought was very interesting and uh, yeah next thing i know uh, we were we were crossing anupam khair's <laughs> school of uh, acting and i said mom i want to go there she said no there's sndt right next to that go there <laughs> so literally took a u turn went right in and then from then on there was no looking back uh, interesting because uh, you know a lot of people plan their life saying i want to do this and most often and and what ends up is doing something completely different and like you said and uh, so nobody in your family was into fashion right Nobody. not at all we are right. we are a gupta family with heavy account brains so i'm the opposite <laughs> okay so so when you finished your uh, design school i mean uh, because this is not an easy industry it's like uh, it's like bollywood i mean it's a yeah. very very challenging industry it's very uh, very tough very tough but you suddenly seem to have made that breakthrough you know uh, yeah and at a very young age so where where did that come from i mean how did that happen um in hindsight i think the fact that i was all of 19 and i was so fearless and i had nothing to prove uh and and i have to say i have to admit that i was thinking of it the other day if i had tried my hand at acting then or cricket or a sport i would have definitely said i have to win at all costs because my parents are such overachievers in their fields and when i did fashion i said you know there's no pressure on me because if i fail at this history will not you can please me yes uh, yeah i mean uh, history will not say oh my god her dad was a great cricketer her mom was a great actress and she failed at fashion you know um so i think i just didn't have any pressure i was very spontaneous i was very happy to fail uh because i was just i was i was a teenager like literally coming out of my teens and giving something a shot um so i went at it with absolute um without any fear no inhibitions whatsoever and i think that's the reason uh, i was able to actually be myself and bring that out in my craft so that happened i didn't have any pressure to start a label or to have 50 stores um i didn't know what the business of fashion is I just knew I like pretty things, and I knew that there's there's I knew one thing for sure: there's a gap in the market for the kind of work I do. Uh, because I had been to fashion weeks, and I said something's missing, and I said maybe I can provide that thing that's missing. And then there I was. So, like I said, when you're not afraid to fail, you can do so much better. So tell me, I mean, uh, how did the you know Masaba is your name? and then you chose a label with your name it's a big risk to take right because you are identifying yes. with the brand okay yeah. so so tell me whose idea was it i mean when, who who decided that we should go with this name was it your mother was it you or any somebody else in the family or friends who was it no it was entirely me i thought that if i'm doing something why call it something else um secondly i think i found that my name was a bit unique for india Uh, there was a lot in the market already with other things, and you know, people called 
their labels, various things. No one really identified with a few. Some, of course, did extremely well. But uh, I knew that I didn't want to be anonymous. I, I didn't want to be an anonymous label. I knew that if I'm designing for it, then it'll carry my name. Um, and yeah, that's it. I think I was in, in a shop in Dadar, a, gra- a printing shop. And I said, can you make this logo for me? I, all I knew is I want a bindi on it. And I said, I'm just going to call it Masaba. Because actually, it was, it was just so quick because I had to get a, um, some, I had to send an invoice or something. <laughs> so I had to just decide instantly. So it was, it was like that. And I never gave a thought. I think it all just happened. Why did you want a bindi on it? Because, you know, it's so funny when we launched NDTV with Dr. Yeah. Roy, Mrs. Radhika Roy wanted a bindi on it. If we say oh. the logo has a bindi on it. Actually, the logo had come. She took the bindi and she put it there and she said, this is what our logo is going to be. So I want to ask you this question. Why did you want a bindi on it? Uh, I think for me, uh, the circle is my center of gravity uh, at, a, at a more spiritual level. So when I made the logo, I remember it was the Devnagri font. It was Masaba. And I kept looking at it and it was black and white the way it is today. Uh, of course, the logo, the bindi that time was off-center. It was on the right. And I looked at it and I said, there's something missing. I'm not feeling at peace with it. And you wanted to add a bit of color to it. No, I, it was not even color. It was actually just something to bind it. You know how you miss that one thing to bind everything? And I said, you know what, it should just be a bindi because whenever I look at the bindi, I feel like everything has come together. So like I said, it was my center of gravity. And um, I said, if I'm starting this label, I need a center of gravity for the brand. And I thought that that's, that's the logo. And it's interesting that whenever I find myself at, uh, you know, a, a bit anxious or uh, unable to make a decision about the label at a creative level or at a business level, I always look at my logo and it always centers me and brings me back to my perspective. You found a sweet spot for yourself. You know, I mean, that's very interesting what you just said. Uh, something to bring you back. Yeah. Uh, to get back your focus. But, you know, I was, I was just thinking, uh, you know, designers usually either it's high-end or it's what you call, uh, what you find in the other yeah. or things like that. But you managed to find a sweet spot for yourself, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, were neither, you were not mass, neither you were very high-end. You found that you carved a niche for yourself. I mean, where did that business acumen come from? Or what, was there somebody advising you? Or was it your research? What was it? No research, uh, nobody advising me, but just a gut feeling. And I think because I was a consumer myself, uh, I'm a big consumer of fashion, always have been. Uh, and when we started off, it was just me and my mother who started the label. And, you know, we just said, we're going to make clothes we want to wear. Or we're going to make clothes that my friend's wife wants to wear. And the only thing I knew was, the only thing I researched upon was, what is the pricing going to be? Uh, designer wear is, is, not, is notorious for being uh, expensive, uh, especially if it's, if it's everyday wear. And uh, I said, you know what, I'm going, to, I'm going to enter this gap because I feel like people shouldn't be intimidated by the, by the brand. So if you see something and you like it, you should be able to buy it, you know. Uh, that was the only thing I knew as, as a young girl. I said, if I'm making something, whether it's everyday wear or it's occasion wear, it should be affordable. Having said that, today, affordability is a very subjective thing. 
uh, you have to keep adapting to it. Uh, what may be affordable to somebody may not be affordable to the other. So we keep changing, we keep, keep adapting, we keep adding entry-level products, as I say, to the brand so that a 16-year-old girl can walk away with something as well as a 60-year-old woman can walk away with something. Okay. And uh, tell me, you achieved success at a very young age, very, very. So how, how is it to stay grounded? How difficult is it? Or because you somehow managed to keep your feet firmly on the ground. I know you as a person, so I can say that. Uh, I don't think, I don't like badly behaved people. I think, I think I just, I look at people and I say, I want to be like this one and I don't want to be like this one. And I think the ones who are arrogant, the ones who are flying too high because of some milestone that God knows will exist or not tomorrow. Uh, I just think that uh, life is short. Uh, the world is round and you meet the same people over and over again. And sometimes you're on top, sometimes you're at the bottom. Uh, so I think I just, I just like to be at a grounded level. I think I, I don't find any reason to be flying. I think that uh, I do good work and I, I hope to continue to do good work and to be recognized for it. I think uh, bad behavior is no excuse, uh, even if you're an overachiever, is what I, is what I think. So what have you been doing last two months? Last two months have been lockdown in Goa. Oh, you're like, in Goa? Yes, I'm in Goa. I'm in Goa. Nice I've been locked down here. Yeah, lovely place to be. Uh, we got here mid-March, just I think two days or three days before the lockdown. And uh, we've been here. It's uh, actually been great because I've had the time to really re-evaluate my whole life um, which I think is a cliche but I think all of us are going through it at some level um, and I've been I've not been designing to be honest I have actually been taking care of the business side of things as as you may know uh, fashion is suffering the business is suffering at the moment so all of my attention is there and uh, I would say I've been firefighting for the past two months but uh, very happily, firefighting in nature. So it's good. It's, it's great. So, so what has been the impact for your business at this moment? Um, it's been really tough. Uh, it's actually at the store levels. Retail is something I think that, that has taken the largest uh, hit. Um, we employ over 150 people. So uh, making sure that they're well, making sure that they're taken care of both emotionally and financially has been, has been a challenge. Um, and I think the fact that overnight, most stores, uh, we have 11 stores in the country, most were signaled to be shut. Uh, now that we're opening them slowly, we don't know what lies <laughs> on the other side. And I think uh, fashion, I always believe uh, whenever there's a crisis of any kind is always at the bottom of the food chain. So, uh, that, that explains itself, you know, it, it means that when people start to have some sort of feeling of spending money or wanting to splurge on something or go out, fashion might be the last thing or it might be the first thing, we don't know. So I think we're sitting in between two scenarios um, with a lot of uncertainty whether the brand uh, will stay afloat or not. 
but uh, i think it's it's an everyday work i think every single day that the brand exists now is a blessing and uh, we've taken a hit of course financially in a big way uh, you know we have stock that is lying for the past many months that has been hasn't been touched um but we're finding ways to survive so we're in survival mode at the moment so so what is the one thing that you learned out of this whole crisis both professionally and personally personally uh nothing is in your control uh no five year plan or 10 year plans <laughs> is going <laughs> to save you from a pandemic that nature has caused um the only plan you should have is of that of how you will survive tomorrow i think uh, that that at a personal level taking each day as it comes uh trying not to stress out even though i'm generally a stressed out person but i'm trying not to stress out too much and see things from a very objective point of view and i think uh, professionally um to be able to emotionally detach yourself from the work you do and see it from a very different perspective so if you see it from a third person's perspective and outsider's perspective perspective and see that you don't want to you're not emotionally invested in it you have to cut the cord as as an entrepreneur you have to cut the cord with what you do and uh, with what your image is with what people will say with pr and just stay afloat that's that's what i've learned it's so true you know i mean i think one thing this pandemic has done is people have stopped judging others and people yeah. actually don't give a damn about what others are thinking about you because i think Absolutely. this has been a great learning experience for everybody that uh, nothing is certain nothing is certain you know uh, yeah. anything can happen any time and yeah. uh, uh, it's sad i mean i think you and i are still far more privileged in many which ways absolutely uh, yeah. compared to a lot of others who are uh, going through a really really bad time yeah 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 absolutely absolutely and i think privilege um, you know um, that's the thing about it which i was discussing earlier today um, there's no right or wrong right i mean it's it's a funny thing but um, somehow there is this hate towards privilege that i've seen of late uh, at least on the internet and uh, maybe people decide or they assume that people who are in a position of privilege uh, are just sitting back and counting their cash you know but if that's not the case i mean um, the only thing that's apt to say at this point is that everybody's in the deep sea somebody's in a better boat somebody's in a really fancy yacht somebody's just drowning they're not they don't have a boat you know and i think that's that's what it is so we have to accept and be empathetic towards each each one scenario and if we have it in our hands and if we have the power to help one that doesn't have a boat to survive uh, we must go out and do that every day i think our survival or a human being's individual survival is very very linked and connected to the survival of the whole world um and i think if we are surviving we should be thinking at all times about how other people are surviving as well yeah no very well said uh because i think this is one time where i think people have also realized that you know you don't really need so much to live you know uh, yeah i know Uh, a lot of people who stop wearing jeans they only in shorts at home tell me about it so, so have i <laughs> well i i'm living on a suitcase here with uh, about five or six outfits very and happy and you don't miss anything 
I don't miss anything. And somebody told me, don't say that you're a designer, but it's the truth. Yeah. You know, fast fashion uh, might be going out of the way, and slow fashion might be coming back. No, interesting. So, I one last question because I want to move away from business. I want to get you to know you better, but I couldn't <laughs> resist asking because this is a scenario. But if you there's something, one thing that you learned because I know a lot of people are watching and there are a lot of people for whom you're a role model and you're an inspiration, especially the young entrepreneurs. Uh, they see you as a somebody who's achieved success. If there's one thing you would like to say to them to young entrepreneurs who just started, not just in the design business, in any business, and they're going through turmoil at this moment. If there's one messaging you would like to give them, what would it be? Okay, so I have one messaging, but three pointers in my head. Uh, one is stick to doing what you're good at. If you are good at finance, do that. If you're good at fashion or creativity, do that. If you're good at basketball, only do that. Don't try and buy a basketball team just because you know how to play basketball. That's one thing. Uh, the second thing is um, conserve cash. I think it's very important to save money for a rainy day. I think all of us, you know, especially in retail, sometimes what happens is you, you're living literally hand to mouth, you know, every single day. Uh, it's, it's like being on a daily wage almost. But uh, conserve cash. You never know how things might turn. That's the second thing. And the third thing, be very open and learn to adapt. Uh, always, always remember that every day is different. Uh, some days there might be eight competitors standing right in front of you. Sometimes there might, may not be any competitors for 10 years. But learn to adapt. If you don't have the power to adapt and change your business model, and I'm talking about overnight, um, you will suffer. Yeah. Okay, that's uh, very heavy. And you know, it's very uh, a mature uh, advice coming from somebody so young as you. And uh, I've learned the hard way. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. I mean, our cash is king today. And you know, uh, it's very important for young entrepreneurs. Uh, I would just add to that. I would say that, you know, one of the things about being an entrepreneur is Entrepreneurs take risk and you took that risk. And sometimes there will be things not in your control. Mm -hmm. The thing is not to lose heart and yeah. just hope that, you know, and see how best you can uh, make of the situation and, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, and, and wait for things to pan out because some of the things are not in your control. Don't try to make big plans like uh, Masaba just said, forget the five-year plan. Just hold on. Let the storm pass. You will know what the damage is. You'll know what the situation is. And then you can probably then react to the situation. And I think uh, the last thing I forgot to say was keep moving. Never stop. Uh, keep doing something or the other. If you feel like there is a change in the market, the shift in the market, always listen to your consumer. Uh, they're telling you exactly what they want. If you listen to them, you will keep moving. I think the, the wheel never has to stop turning. If you're an entrepreneur, no matter how you feel, no matter how things are, you have to show up every single day. Okay. Uh, I can't stop getting away from your work. I'm trying my best <laughs> to go on, but, okay, but, one the, no, but one or two things that is in my head, so I have to get it out. Uh, you have been very, very, uh, what do you say, uh, open to collaborations. You've done great collaborations and something very unique in the way you've done it, whether it's with Amrapali Jewelers, Game of Thrones, or Nika, and many other brands. Uh, 
again where does the business acumen come from and where did it how did you uh, you've been very proactive in this stuff in this space um i don't know if i could call it business acumen i don't know uh, if i can necessarily put numbers down near a product that i want to launch but um i have people that i've hired for that because it's something i didn't really know uh, i'm learning as we go but i think um, i just feel like i have a pulse on what might be the next big thing um i just feel like makeup for example i felt really bad that no indian brand had no indian designer had their own line of makeup now of course a lot of them have it but um i just felt like you know abroad you have individuals your personalities you have you have so many fashion brands who diversified into various categories and whenever i've seen myself i've never seen myself as an individual i've seen myself as a lifestyle so i always say to people that masaba is a lifestyle it's a lifestyle brand uh and we don't stop you know we we do socks we do makeup we've launched perfume recently we've done watches we've done jewelry like you said i've also designed shower gels you know so i feel like uh, it's it's just having my pulse on what might be the next thing that might catch on and what people are lacking so i think uh, that's that's just something i i understand and i reach out i call i literally pick up a phone on brands and say guys do you want to collaborate i love the work you do uh, and i don't have the resources you have so let's do this together so in in a way it's also we have experimenting what the label could finally come to stop at so clothes of course are there but eventually what will the label be 10 years down the line or 5 years down the line so we've done our experiments uh and we'll see where we land up uh you are very popular on social media i mean on instagram in particular uh is there a lot of pressure on you in terms of the way you have to behave in the social media environment be given that you are a brand by yourself then the brand is named after you and so do you find a lot of pressure there i mean how you because you know when we put stuff on instagram we don't need to bother we just put it up right but do you have to because it can impact your brand in some way or the other so do you yeah. have to think it through when you ever you post something on instagram or you uh, don't or it's a personal thing it's personal space if it's a personal post if it's about something i'm feeling or an opinion i have on something or um a photograph in a bikini i don't i don't think that much even though i know that there might be some kind of backlash for it uh because as far back as i remember social media instagram was meant to be your way of expressing yourself it was meant to be free speech uh today it's more about cyber bullying uh but i think when it comes to the brand uh i have to admit i'm i'm careful because i don't want to come across as insensitive i don't want the brand to land in hot water because i believe in some bizarre theory about something you know um i i always tell my team that handles my brand page i always tell them that um uh, everything you do do it with sensitivity uh people are really angry these days people are feeling a lot of things globally i think we've been in hot water for so many years now um that i think i'm careful i'm careful in my own way but i'm not careful in a way that i'm going to muffle my voice uh i'm careful to the point where i know that uh i shouldn't have stones pelted at my store 
uh, I shouldn't have, uh, I shouldn't put my, my workers at risk. And just because I have an opinion about something or I feel strongly about something, my brand should suffer. I see my brand as a completely different entity. I see it as a different person. So uh, I, I very, I, I always sort of, you know, divide the two in my head. So tell me, I mean, because you are so much on social media, how real is life on social media versus real life? I mean, do you think there's sometimes, you know, a lot of people, their real life and life on social media, I'm not able to articulate. I, I think you got yeah. to say, how real yeah. is it? Uh, well, mine is super real. Um, not because referring to you, but generally. Generally, um... I would say 50-50. Uh, I mean, without taking any names, I think I know enough people who have very different views when you sit with them at a dinner party uh, and when they're on social media. And uh, I think when everyone puts up quotes and you know about how uh, you're the right person, people should love you and this and that. And then I said, okay, well, then no one's really bad. Everyone's, everyone feels like they're really important. <laughs> And should be really loved. Uh, but I know for a fact that there's a lot of people who don't necessarily believe uh, in ideas that they always say, oh my God, we should be on Instagram and we should say this because it's the current trend. Which is okay, I think, you know, because uh, to each their own, I think a lot of people live off that adulation. They live off that uh, constant, you know, validation that comes from social media. And uh, I have a problem with being fraudulent, but I mean, to each their own. So tell, uh, what is your favorite holiday destination? We've done a lot of holidays together. I want to ask you, what's your favorite holiday destination? The Maldives. <laughs> why, why, yeah. why? Why? Because I love the sun. I love the ocean. And uh, I just, I, th I think I'm an island girl at heart. So, uh, you know, I, I have it in my genes. I have it in my blood. So I think the minute you take me to a nice, warm, tropical climate with the sea in front of me and wonderful company like all of you, I feel like I'm at home. So have you been to the West Indies? I have. I've been to the West Indies uh, very, very little, but I have. I've been... Uh, I haven't been for the next for the past two three years now, but I've been and it's lovely and uh, it it uh, it feels like home each time I go. So and uh, what's your relationship with your father there at this moment? Uh, it's um, it's a nice charming one. It's not overly close. Uh, it's not overly distant. Uh, I know that I can pick up the phone on him anytime and reach out and I know that he'll always be available on the other line with enough and more good advice. But um, it's not a relationship that I lean on. It's not a relationship that I, I thrive off. Um, I, I look up to him. I admire him. I uh, believe in a lot of... Uh, he, he's chosen a certain way of life. I think we all know that. A life away from uh, public glare. Uh, a life away from Everything, he only plays golf and uh, eats fish. So um, I think it's nice. He lives a little bit of an isolated life. And uh, I think now that I'm turning a bit older, I'm slowly becoming like that. <laughs> so you yeah. take more from your mom or from your dad? 
Oh God, the problem is it's such a heady mix because the two of them, as you know, are so apart from each other. Uh, you know, I, I think my mom is, is, she likes going out and, you know, she has lots of friends and she, uh, she wants to work and she wants to actively do things. My dad's like, you know, I, I did my bit for the world, <laughs> for world cricket and I'm just going to play some golf now and not own a phone for some time. So I think uh, it's, I'm a bit of both, but I think eventually I will land up uh, exactly like my dad. I have more of his temperament. I have more of his uh, nature in me. And I think I, I eventually will live a very isolated life. And what's your relationship with Nina? Mom is, of course, I, like I said, the exact opposite of my, you know, uh, relationship with my father. It's something I thrive on. I speak to her every day. Um, she's my number one critic and a very harsh one at that. And, and she's somebody who I uh, admire. She's somebody who I, I always find solace in. And uh, more importantly, I think she's a friend. We're like, we're like two sisters. We can talk about anything. Uh, and we both have this, this telepathy of sorts. Whatever I'm thinking about a certain event in my life, she's somehow thinking the same thing. We're both very attached to our gut and we sink at that level. So it's great. And uh, how often have you been speaking to each other during this lockdown now that you're in Goa? And she's somewhere in Masuri or somewhere, right? In she's in Mukteshwar. Mukteshwar. <laughs> She, uh, we speak twice a day, uh, but she's really busy, as you see, making cakes and on Instagram. <laughs> so she's found her, I think she's found that millennial blogger life now at the age of 65. And uh, I, I think it's amazing. She's, she's had a rebirth of sorts and uh, we speak, but we, we've uh, been speaking largely about work because, um, you know, she is, she is on, on the board of directors in my company and, uh, I'm going to her for advice now. <laughs> yeah. No. So I want to uh, move away from thing and ask you, you know, there's something specifically I wanted to ask you when you're speaking about your mom. Uh, and just, um, just, 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 it was a birthday yesterday, isn't it? Yes, it was a birthday yesterday. And was it about her uh, new sort of, Second no, innings? No, 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 no. Now it's come. Now it's come. So, okay. I mean, uh, now both of you are going to act together in Netflix, right? Ah, that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that. <laughs> okay. Um, the one thing yeah. about formal chat, na, is like yes. you keep thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we are. Uh, unfortunately, I can't say too much, but since you're Raj Uncle, I will. <laughs> we, uh, we are doing a show together. It's called Masaba Masaba. And it's going to be on Netflix soon. Soon is when I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's it's based, it's inspired actually by uh, life events in my mom's life and my life. But um, it's also scripted. So it's uh, it's more of a, more of a mockumentary. Uh, very new concept for India. Never been done before, I think, in the country. Um, but uh, it was great. I think, you know, acting with her was my first ever shot was with her and there was no dialogues in it so i had to just emote and i thought i was gonna die because i thought my mother's gonna judge me because you know how she's she'd be like you're so bad <laughs> you know so um i just i just went completely crazy but um, 
thanks to a lot of work i did on myself before i started filming um i was able to block that out and just just do what i came there for and then i forgot that's my mom in front of me i just thought it's a co-actor and it was great i i can't wait to be on set again would she would she give you tips or would she correct you at times very little and uh, she actually wrote to me right after the first day of shoot and said she sent me a message cuz i didn't, didn't think she could tell me in person she said i'm a bit surprised that you're acting a bit <laughs> because i thought you really wouldn't be able to manage you know because uh, i was a very shy kid and i was not really like out there and all that but uh, she was very impressed right now you're not shy now now you are anything but shy i'm anything but shy now but uh, yeah she was she was very impressed and the only one time i remember we were shooting one day and we were doing this scene and it was just us like talking to each other and she said kitna bura kar rahi hai that's typical scene <laughs> and the whole set has frozen because they didn't know what they should, where they should laugh or they should just keep quiet and everyone's like chuckling under their breath and it was really funny but um i love it yeah i think that's what that's what parents should be they should tell you exactly what it is and not let you do some kharab kaam and let it pass so i'm glad because then i redid the scene i worked on it and i got it you know so otherwise i would have just looked bad so yeah you know masu at the beginning of the interview you said you wanted to be an actor and now you got a chance to be an actor and you are acting and your show is coming out soon masaba masaba uh but is that something that you would want to pursue as a career post uh, the future as well uh my first priority and my first uh, baby as they say is fashion it's my label and it always will be uh but i'm not i'm never going to say no to anything ever again in my life i think uh, if i get opportunities to act some more very happy to uh i will of course see that it doesn't come in the way of my work or i will manage it in such a way that i can do both uh, because i i am a workaholic i'm happy to work hard i'm happy to work at different things i don't want to stop at one thing i think uh, people limit themselves so much we have one life you should do as much as you want to you know and i i really enjoy acting and i really want to do more of what i enjoy doing so when like like when i'm sitting with my pen and paper and my girls in office and designing i feel the same rush when i'm in front of the camera and uh, so if if i were given the opportunity very happy to if not then i'll quietly keep designing on the side yeah now i'm sure i'm sure many opportunities will come your way especially now that you said it it's out there that <laughs> is willing to consider offers that comes away i'm sure you'll get many more offers uh, so tell me how do you say so positive your what is your mantra for positiveness for staying I, for being that chirpy bubbly giggly if i have to use that word i have to say i'm not always like this i have very dark moments and i become i'm I, i'm a big sulker i sulk a lot i can like wallow in self pity for days and hours and it's a very bad habit but um i think the one mantra of my positivity is i don't put any pressure on myself to be positive you know i don't put pressure that oh my god this is a bad thought get it out of the way i just allow myself to feel what i have to feel so that i don't feel it anymore you know 
and uh, that's it and more than that i think i've realized that uh, i'm very grateful i i have much more than i've asked for i really believe i'm destiny's child uh, I, i don't know how i've landed up here i i was meant to be you know uh, that kid you read about in the papers in the you know late 80s or like where is she who is she who oh my god she's this child and she was born like this and da 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 and i'm here so i i have so much and i have much more than i asked for could ask for i have great friends great family i have all of you guys who become family i have a label i have the ability to uh marry art with commerce and make a label out of it so and now i have the ability to act which i always wanted to do and i'm doing it on my own terms i'm not playing some you know that dark girl from somewhere <laughs> you know what i mean yeah i'm playing myself i'm not being given oh she's a character artist so she's niche or she you know she looks a certain way so she's from there i'm playing myself so i i really i really am blessed so i don't have much to sulk for after 3 4 hours i'm like enough now you have a lot please stop sulking yeah i uh, so we don't have much time left so this is one question i keep asking everyone so what are the three things that make you happy and what is your definition of happiness i think my definition of happiness is um being at peace with a decision no matter how wrong or right it might seem uh or just being at peace with the current situation no matter how bad unfortunate sad it might be uh and and just being still i think that's my definition of happiness um the things that make me happy food as you know <laughs> uh i love 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 food and i don't ever want to deny myself i only work out so i can eat and uh, the second thing is uh, being connected to people i i like people i i like uh, i like depending on people i like human touch i like human connections um i like you know um having an unexplained connect with people uh, that that are sometimes much older sometimes much younger like like i have with with atiya you know it's it's uh, it's she's not my age but we have this amazing friendship sisterhood i don't know what it is so it's like that and uh, the last thing is um, knowing that knowing that my parents um, at least feel half good about having me <laughs> that gives me happiness that that i didn't let them down that i didn't become uh, you know i i didn't become one of those children that you don't talk about <laughs> but uh, yeah i think that that i that that they are happy that they had me that they are happy with the choices i made and that they support them yeah no i i'm sure they are not just happy they are very very proud of you masaba and thank you very much for this i enjoyed we haven't spoken in last two months but exactly. I, i i enjoyed this chat uh, yes, and, uh, thank you very much thank you see you Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this Sochcast. What is your Soch? Send us your comments on our Facebook page and Instagram page. It's time for you to do your own Sochcast at Sochcast. Apni Soch, duniya ko sunao. Sochcast.